0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And are we on, Cole? All right, we're on. Thank you all for joining us online. As you can see, I'm not Greg. You may be wondering, man, Greg shrunk about a foot, but uh, somehow grew exponentially in uh, vitality and attractiveness. (laughs) But no, I'm not Greg. Greg. And as attractive as he is, his, his services and his strength and vitality are right now over in Nigeria, uh, ministering to the people there, encouraging the brothers and sisters there and um, advancing the Lord's work forward there. So I thank you, Greg, for the opportunity to, to speak this morning. I thank you guys for having me speak this morning. And I do want to open us in prayer before we start. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25 this morning. going to be in matthew chapter 25 but i'm going to open us in prayer lord jesus christ heavenly father thank you and jesus i want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your words with our brothers and our sisters thank you jesus i praise you thank you for for orchestrating this god i thank you for each and every one of my brothers and sisters sitting here this morning i thank you holy spirit for filling me and for filling each one of us to be able to receive What you're saying, God, I give you my my heart. I give you my mind, my will, emotions, and my mouth. In Jesus' name, I surrender it to you, Lord, to speak what you want to speak. And God, we give you our ears to hear what you would have us hear. And God, I do declare that same receptivity to anyone who would hear this message now in the future, online or through the podcast. God, soften the hearts of your children, Father, and our brothers and sisters, Jesus. Soften their hearts to receive what you're saying. Thank you for filling us with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ as we seek you, seek getting closer to you in this world, in this life, Father, through your Son, Jesus, who made the way, who paved the way. To you, to relationship with you, Father. I praise you for that. And God, I ask that you would send laborers into the, into the fields of those who are listening online. If they are not able to hear my words at this point in time, I ask and I declare that laborers be sent into their fields, the fields of their hearts, to be able to draw them close to relationship with you, whatever it takes in these coming days. I declare it be done in Jesus' name by the power of his blood. And thank you. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen. Thank you all for coming this morning. Hopefully, you've uh, already primed your Bibles to be with us in Matthew chapter twenty-five. Um, we're going to read. We're going to read Matthew chapter twenty-five, verses one through thirteen this morning. And our focus isn't necessarily going to be on what this particular passage of scripture is. Um is trying to convey to us, um, while we will go into that, that, more of the focus this morning is going to be a mindset, a paradigm, if, if you will, a lens of viewing the Father's words in the Bible, how we interpret what he says to us. The, the Father's focus this morning is on the changing of paradigms that Jenna just was singing about at the end of worship. She was singing, as, the, as I know the Holy Spirit was leading her, change our mindsets, change our paradigms. And again, she was saying, singing, set us on fire for you. Set us on fire for you, Jesus Christ. So this is what the Lord wants to do this morning. He wants to highlight a paradigm that he wants changed. And um, in the case of us here in this circle it may be preaching to the choir. I may be preaching to the choir in this circle this morning, but any recesses of our hearts that, that need to hear this, the Lord will continue to unlock deeper relationship with himself through what's said today, so I ask that you would press in and just receive with an open heart and take it to the Lord yourself, but I know the Lord wanted this online this morning because while I may be preaching to the choir here in this circle, some online desperately need this. It's imperative that they hear this actually in this time, especially for what's coming because the current paradigm that you may be reading Scripture through is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it for what's coming on this world, which is a good thing, but in your eyes it may look like a bad thing and it may be very disturbing for you if you're not In relationship with the father the way he wants. So I'm going to I'm going to start this morning. We're going to start in verse one of Matthew, chapter twenty five. I'm going to read through it here and then we're going to and then we're going to go into. um, This paradigm that the Lord wants to talk about. So then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish For our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now we may read through that passage of scripture and say, "Okay, got it." Um, The virgins with the with the lamp with the oil, they were saved, and the foolish ones, you know, they weren't saved. And so when Jesus came back. The ones who were saved got to go into heaven, into the the feast with him. And unfortunately, the ones who weren't ready and weren't saved, um, they didn't have any oil. And so they weren't they weren't saved. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Oh, man, what a great what a great picture. Uh, Thank you that I'm saved, Father. Got it. Awesome. That's that's great. What a what a great reminder to just make sure that I'm saved and make sure that I'm ready for when you come to get me, Jesus, when you come to rescue me um, from this crazy world, and then you may just continue on reading and think you're good. But what I want to stress to you, not that the nuances of this scripture cannot be talking about salvation, because there most certainly is in this passage and in the following passages, there are nuances of the scripture interpretation of these words that do apply to salvation. But the important thing to understand here is that if you are to stop at that thinking, that thought process of, okay, this is just about being saved, let me continue on reading, you will miss entirely, you will miss entirely what the Lord is trying to speak to you about. And it is only viewing something through a single lens, which is not the focal lens that the Father wants you to have. And this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. The focal lens that we are to have is not salvation itself. But you guys have heard it here a thousand times. The focal lens we are to have is first through relationship with the Father, through Jesus Christ, who is the way and who made that way here on earth as he lived his life. The two lenses are supposed to go together. It's not just a single lens of salvation. The the, the lens and the thought process of salvation needs to first be seen through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to use an analogy here that that, that the the Lord put in my heart because this, this transfers to everything, guys. This filters, this thought process will filter into everything that you do in your walk with Jesus Christ on this earth. And you see it you see this thought process manifested in the way that the church has done church for the last 2,000 years. So the analogy that he gave me, most, I think, uh, everyone here has, has been through high school, and many of you have probably been through college as well, but in your high school years and in your college years, you will probably recall the latter years of those when you were a junior and a senior, Right, the feeling that you had of excitement to graduate and you may have fallen victim to what's called senioritis. Senioritis. I, I know I I I definitely fell victim to it. While I did graduate, I had senioritis very uh very bad. So what senioritis is is when you're a senior in college, all you're caring about is graduation. Uh you go Party, do whatever you do, you just, you just maybe go to enough classes so that you can pass, so that you don't fail, and you're just like, okay, as long as I pass, as long as I get through college, complete all my courses, uh, miss a couple classes here and there, it's fine. As long as I pass, though, I'm good. I got it. As long as I graduate and get my diploma, then I can go get a job, because all I need is that diploma, Man. Let me tell you that that senioritis mentality, that is what the bride of Christ on a large scale suffers from. And I can say this and speak on this topic as well plainly because I suffer from the same mentality. And what the Lord told me is that it's called senioritis of the spirit. Senioritis of the spirit where your focus in this life is just on salvation. It's just on graduating this life. Senioritis of the Spirit is when a Christian, one who is saved and loved the Lord, where their focus is just on making it to the end, where the focus is, and I'm going to add some flavor to this, this senioritis of the spirit Because it is a, it is actually a mind virus It's a mind virus Of the spirit and the soul And it's very sneaky It's very sneaky Because it masks itself in this righteous Oh yes you know, I just can't wait to be in heaven someday I can't wait For everything that Jesus accomplished On the cross To finally come to completion And we get to be with the Father for eternity And yes, that is awesome That's an incredible thing. Salvation is an incredible thing, and I by no means am demeaning that. I want to be very clear with with all of you here and, and even those online hearing me speak. I'm not demeaning salvation. It's an incredible, incredible thing, an incredible gift. But the thing about salvation, salvation, and you've heard it spoken of here before, I'm sure, many times. Salvation is only the first, the very first step. Salvation is what we get out of the transaction that happened when Jesus came to this earth and offered everything, offered his life. Salvation is that free gift that we got. All we had to do, we didn't have to do a single thing to, to walk it out or receive it other than just receive it. <laughs> other than just receive it by faith and say, hey, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe for what you did. You know, I believe I'm a sinner, and Jesus, you came and paid for all of that. You paid for all my sins. I receive it. I receive that eternal life. Thank you so much. That is that is amazing. That's awesome. But that's what we get. That's what we get out of it. We're saved from an eternity in hell through what Jesus did, and that's incredible. But what the Father wants our focus to be in this life is not on what we get out of it. He wants our focus to be on what. What does the father get out of it? What does the father get out of this transaction that he sent his one and only son to earth to accomplish? What does he get? And what he gets is the restoration of how things were originally supposed to be in the first place. In this world that he created, in this physical and spiritual world that he created, both now and in the age to come. What does he get out of it? He gets, the father gets restoration of that perfect relationship that he had at one time with with Adam and Eve. That's who he originally created for the purpose of relationship. Uh, The Bible says that angels were, you know, pre-existing before he created the earth and they were rejoicing when God created the earth. And they look at us, the angels look at us with, a peculiarity, kind of a uh, bewilderment, because they don't understand faith. They don't understand relationship with the Lord because they were created as as servants. We were created for the purpose of relationship. So early on, as you guys know the story very well in Genesis, first first couple pages of the Bible, that was ruined. That perfect relationship that the Father had with his human beings, he created Adam and Eve in his image, was shattered by sin. And what Jesus did was not only did he purchase salvation with us in heaven one day, but he purchased the ability for us to be restored in perfect relationship with the Father the way that it was originally intended. And here's another key. That relationship doesn't start when you get into heaven one day. It doesn't start When Jesus comes back and saves you from this nasty, evil world, it starts as soon as you accept that salvation. And what the Father gets, what's pleasing to him that that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, is faith. Hebrews 11, um, chapter 11, verse 6. Faith is what pleases the Father. So believing that you can interact with the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, who created you, believing that you can have that relationship in everything that you do, by faith, is what pleases him. It's, not, it's actually not possible to please him without faith. So in reality, after you die and go to heaven, faith is no longer possible. So your relationship with him, the most crucial and important and pleasing part to the Father, is built here on this earth. That is what needs to be our focus. Our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness gracious, you're you're the best thing that ever happened to me. I believe in you. Thank you for unlocking what relationship with the Father truly is. And I'm going to start it right here on this earth. I'm going to walk with you and get to know you in relationship here on this earth. And I'll tell you, when that becomes your focus and your mindset, it's going to affect everything. It will affect everything in your life because as you love him and obey him because you love him, you cannot help but speak to people. You cannot help but overflow the love that you have in Jesus out to other people. Um But on the flip side, and and let me, I need to explain the flip side wrong mentality because it's important that we, that it's exposed, that it's identified. The flip side of this is, like I mentioned at first, where your lens is just on salvation. And that can mask itself as self-righteousness because you're thinking in your mind, oh yes, I'm just supposed to... You know, I'm so thankful for salvation. I'm so thankful and I'm eagerly hoping for what's to come. Just like Paul said, I'm I'm straining onward. I'm running this race and I'm striving towards the upward call of Christ. And I can't wait for that to happen. And those are good things. But what that can mask itself in is actually a selfishness. Because if your mindset is just on salvation and what you get and hoping for, for that mansion that Jesus went to prepare for you in heaven one day, if that's your focus and you're just ignoring everything in this life and trying to, hey, I'm just wanting to skip to the end, right? I just want to graduate. I just want to graduate. I want to get to the end. I want to get to what's prepared to me. It is selfishness. It is. It's selfish. Focusing on what you get out of the transaction Above your relationship with Jesus Christ is in reality selfish. Remember that scripture explains, and this is a hard thing because it's so sneaky, but scripture explains that anything can become an idol if you put it above worshiping God, if you put it above that relationship with the Father, right? So don't fall prey to the trap of setting your focus on heaven that you'll receive one day, the mansion that you'll receive one day, or however we, we like to think about it when we don't, you know, we don't fully understand what that'll be. But if you allow your focus to be on what you get out of it, above your relationship with Jesus Christ in this time, it does turn into idolatry. It does. And what will happen if that truly is the case? If you are idolizing salvation, is it actually does trickle down to everything in your life. Just like relationship with Jesus Christ, if that is your focus, will trickle down to everything in your life and in your ministry. An example of how idolizing salvation can trickle down to everything, just to be very clear, is really, in many ways, how the majority of the body of Christ has operated. Because it is just a stress on, okay, we just need to get as many people saved as possible. As long as they pray the prayer and they're saved, they're good. Okay, we can move on to the next person. We just need to we just need to make sure as many people are saved as possible, because we know based on our understanding of Scripture. That we're just waiting for a particular number of people to be saved, then we all get to go to heaven, then we can be done with all of this. Stop the the running around, stop the, the, you know, the jobs that we hate and, you know, just tolerating our kids and, um, you know, Tolerating these things and whatever, and we can just go to heaven and be saved. So we just need to focus with a single focus, just making sure as many people as possible get saved. And it masks itself as self righteousness because that is an amazing thing. It's an incredible thing watching someone get saved right in front of your eyes. And I, I know each and every one of you has seen this happen. You've led many people to Christ Jesus, and that's an that is the best thing that you can do is is lead someone uh, to salvation with Jesus Christ. One of the single most important things that you can do. But I'll tell you, if that is your focus, is just getting people saved and it stops there, you're missing entirely what the Lord wants for you and for that person. Because what he wants is for the loving the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and loving your neighbor as yourself. He wants that second part where you are raising each other up in relationship and disciples of Jesus Christ. And how, it can, how this, this mind virus can mask itself as self-righteous is you're amassing these numbers of how many people you've saved or how many people are you know saved around you. And wow, we, we brag and boast about how many people we've had come to the altar call and give their life to Christ, which is an amazing thing. But what you see is that if that's your focus, it ends up destroying you. It ends up destroying you. Because if all, your care, if all you're caring about and focused about is being saved, it will actually consume your mind. It will. And let me explain how. When you mess up, if all you're focused about is, is your salvation and your eyes are off true relationship with Jesus Christ, you will end up in this constant place of wondering if you're really saved. You'll mess up. Um, You'll 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 think that all you can really do in this life is to just do your very best until Jesus comes back. And then when you mess up, you're going to end up in this point where the enemy is going to spiral you into thinking, oh, wow, am I even saved? Am I even saved? And then you'll repent and then you'll you'll like think you're accepting Jesus into your heart again and then you'll think you're saved and you're good. But then you're just going to be in this constant cycle of not really knowing who you are in Christ Jesus Because your focus has only ever been on what you get out of it, which is being saved and going to heaven. And the Lord wants so much more for us than to just be focused on what we get once the dust settles and this earth is destroyed. He wants us to steward what we've been given here, now, in this life, for what's to come, because it pleases Him. And we also... Another aspect of of the problem of this mentality, this senioritis of the Spirit, is neglecting what the Father wants to do in this life, on this earth, before that day, before that day that Jesus comes back. It can lead to a neglecting of that. So going back to my original analogy of the senioritis college student, all he cares about or all he or she cares about is just getting that diploma. Because I know that, you know, none of, you know, going to class, I'm just going to class to get it done, just get it over with, blah, 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 listening to the professor. I nod off in class, you know, every, every now and then. I'll do my assignments. If I miss one, it doesn't matter. I'm just because I just care about getting a passing grade. Started, you were a freshman, sophomore, started out with A's and B's, then you're junior, senior, and you're like, oh, well, can I get by with this C? You know, How, how many C's can I get to get that uh, graduation ticket? Because you think, in your mind, as a senioritis-ridden student, you think that all that matters is a piece of paper that says that you got this degree, which will then, after college is over, get you that job, right? That shiny... Job That you've been promised since you were in kindergarten with the benefits and the dental and the eye care and, the, you know, all these things that you have no you literally have no understanding of until you submit that application and are hired. Um, But that's kind of a whole that's a whole nother side conversation. Your focus is just getting that piece of paper because you've been told your whole life that getting that piece of paper is what purchases that great job that you're going to get with that piece of paper after you graduate. But in reality, what in this analogy what works best is if you are actively applying, doing your best with the knowledge that you have to apply what you're learning while you're in school because you know that if you apply it now, you are going to be able to extremely excel and get get the great job that you have your eyes set on after college and you know that if you apply what you're doing now, interact with as many people as possible, your students, your fellow students with with the topics being discussed, spend that dedicated those dedicated hours after class with the professor, right? Isn't it every professor's dream to want the students to just come and talk to them about their material after class? If you invest that extra time to go the extra mile to, to do your best to apply what you're learning, that is what's going to set you up for success after you get that ticket, right? After you get that graduation ticket, that's, that's what propels you into a successful life. And please, please use your imagination with this analogy, because I know if you were to apply what you learn in colleges today, you would end up with a gender change or... You know, something, something crazy. And that's a whole other mind virus that we won't dive into this morning. Um, but please go into the wildest recesses of your imagination and imagine that the universities and colleges are training uh, men and women to succeed in life, to succeed in business. And now let's apply it to your walk with Christ. Are you living each and every day... Just getting by, just waiting for this world to get so bad that Jesus just looks down and says, Oh, I got to save him. I just got to go. Are you just showing up at church, you know, wherever you may be online listening to me? Are you just walking through your day trying to figure out how little you can get away with to where the father is like, okay, he did enough. He did enough today. He did enough this week. Yeah, that's he's fine. Oh, he he messed up. But no, he's still fine. He's still going to be saved. You know, I'm still he's still going to be in heaven with me because my grace is so sufficient. And you thank him for that grace. Oh, I thank you, Father. Thank you for letting me go into heaven one day, even though I am such a wretched, awful human being. If you're stuck in that mentality, you will not make it very far. You will not make it very far in this life. Or the one to come. Because the thing about it is the Lord wants to walk in relationship with each and every one of us in this life. To bring his kingdom here to this life through relationship with us. For the purpose of bringing his kingdom here, manifesting it here now. And also in the age to come. And this life here, this first heaven and earth is the training ground for his, his next kingdom when Jesus comes back and makes heaven and earth anew. So treat it like that. Treat it like that. Don't look at it as something, don't look at this earth and everything in it as just the piece of trash that the enemy ruined and you're waiting for Jesus to come back and make it better. Because I'm telling you, if that's your focus, (laughs) if that's your focus, that's all you're ever going to see. That's all you'll ever see is the world decaying around you. And while you may think that you're going to get to see Jesus Christ coming back on the clouds in your life, you won't. You won't if your focus is, hey, this world is just going to pass away into a destructive mess because Satan has control and he ruined it and Jesus is just going to come back and save us one day. I'm telling you, if that's your mindset, if that's your mindset, that's all you're ever going to see. If your faith is set on the destruction of this world, to get you to the other side, to get you to heaven, all you're going to get is that piece of paper. All you're going to get is that entry into heaven. You're not going to get the illustrious job that you think you're going to get if all you're setting your mind on is just getting by is just graduating. And I want to read, with that in mind, I just want to read those verses that we read at first. Starting with verse 1 in Matthew chapter 25. So then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The ten virgins are Christians. All of them are Christians. All of them are saved. All of them are going to heaven. Five of these virgins, five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. So each one of these virgins, right? They have lamps. They're all virgins. They all have lamps. They are all saved. The lamps are their salvation in a manner of, in a, in a version, in a manner of seeing seeing this passage. And what the Lord was talking to me about was, the oil that they're taking up represents relationship with Jesus Christ. So you have the lamp, you know, the, the lamp that's salvation, your life with, with Christ, both now and in the age to come. But what lights that lamp, what makes that lamp useful in, in identifying you as an on-fire person for Christ, saved and on fire for Christ, is the oil that burns the flame. Without that oil, the flame can only be lit for so long. The wick will will go out almost immediately. And that oil that the wise in this passage had was relationship. And the foolish, the foolish virgin, the foolish saved person if you will did not choose wisdom they didn't choose wisdom which would enable them to purchase the oil because wisdom as it says elsewhere in scripture wisdom is likened to relationship with a woman in proverbs it's all throughout proverbs relationship or um, wisdom is is seen as relational and it starts with the fear of the lord now, the Lord, the Father, uh, illustrates this on purpose because wisdom can only be purchased through, through relationship. And it's relationship with Jesus Christ, who is wisdom personified. And continuing on here, so, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lambs. So the wise had relationship with Jesus. They went the extra step and were ready. They were prepared at that time. They were prepared for their flame to burn and be ready for the bridegroom. So as the bridegroom was delayed, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Man, isn't that a great picture <laughs> of the last 2,000 years? Um, and it is saying that the wise were, were drowsy and slept here as well, so I'm not completely downing the, uh, the aspect of sleeping. But man, hasn't the bride been asleep? For the last 2,000 years, and, and I say that not to, not to condemn, but I'm just stating the reality of, of what it has been. We have not seen the fullness of what the Lord wants the bride of Christ to walk in, example of Him in this earth. And I'm I was just as guilty of it. I was just as guilty of it um, through the majority of my life, just thinking that all I was I was I was afflicted. I was afflicted with this mind virus. This Senioritis of the spirit for the majority of my life, but praise Jesus Christ for delivering me out of it, because the result of it was, like I explained earlier, you're just this—you're in this constant cycle of just hoping and making sure that you're saved, and I'm good. Okay, I'm good. I'm I'm right before the Lord. I'm not going to hell today, and I'm you know doing my best, and that's all you're ever focused on, and you can't ever. Uh, eradicate or destroy the very things that are afflicting your mind and those of others in the first place because you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus. And you're told that the things that empower you to be like Jesus Christ in this world passed away, you know, when the last apostle was killed. <laughs> that everything that the Holy Spirit came to this earth to help us with was only for that original time of building the church. And, and, and I was stuck in that, that enslavement where nothing else could get better, nothing else could get better until this world was destroyed <laughs> and Jesus came back. And it's furthest from the truth is, is what the reality is. <clears throat> so going back to this passage, passage, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins, all those saved people, rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Oh man, our lamps are going out. We weren't prepared. We weren't ready. We didn't put the effort into making sure we had oil ready. Now we're not going to be recognized as having that status of being able to be welcomed in to the marriage feast, the marriage supper really of the lamb is what this is hinting at here. Please give us some of your oil. Please give us some of your oil. We see that this is about to happen. The bridegroom's here. I can see through the door. The food looks amazing. I, didn't, I had no idea it was going to be that amazing. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have had a, a whole stockpile of oil ready for me. I didn't realize it was going to be that amazing. So I'm turning to you, my... Uh, you know, you were wise. I, I ridiculed you. I did. I ridiculed you back a couple of years ago when I thought you were crazy for stockpiling that much oil, that much relationship with Jesus Christ. Please, can I have some of yours? Please? It, the food looks amazing and I'm eyeing that dessert in there. <laughs> Please give me some of your oil. But the wise said no. The wise said no. It's not possible. They said, no, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. See, that's another hint that this isn't just talking about the aspect of salvation. Salvation can't be bought. We can't buy salvation. It was already bought. Jesus already purchased salvation for us on the cross. He he paid the ultimate sacrifice, and all we had to do was say yes and accept it and receive it. What can be bought is relationship. What can be bought is relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you the cost, and you've heard it here many times before. The cost is everything. The cost is everything, and it's nothing at the same exact time. Because the cost is everything about what you think your life is. Your friends, your family, the TV shows and the video games that you think you love, the hobbies that you may have, your job, your family, your kids, your pets. The cost Is all of those things, all of the things of your life that you think you have, that is what it costs. Laying that down, dying to the flesh, denying yourself, as Rich talked about in men's class this morning. Denying that life and acknowledging that your true life is hidden in Christ Jesus is is what the price is for relationship with him. It's what the price is for relationship with him. So that cost is everything. It is surrendering every single aspect of who you think you are and who you think you were made to be and what you think you like and enjoy. It's laying every one of those things down, surrendering every single one of those things down without the expectation that you're going to be able to pick those things back up. That's the reality of this cost that I'm talking about that is required for relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, because it's how he lived. It's how Jesus lived when he was on this earth. He made it very clear. He emptied himself as he walked on this earth. He was a man of sorrows, much acquainted with grief. And really, the Bible doesn't even go into too many too many aspects of, of what that really looked like other than The very end of his life where he was beaten and flogged and put on a cross, which is horrendously painful and grievous. But that is not all of what scripture is referring to, like Bryn talked about um, last week, I believe, where he was a man acquainted with sorrows. He. He went through it in this life, Jesus went through it in this life as a man to show us faith. To show us the way of faith, to have a relationship in truth with the Father, which is what he came to pave the way for us to have. So the cost for that relationship is everything. Like I've been saying for probably about four times now, because it's important that we get this. The cost is everything, but the cost is also nothing. And it's nothing because laying down what you think you had, which is everything, is actually nothing because it's not worth anything if it's not what Jesus is breathing on. None of those things that you just surrendered and laid down, the shows, the TV, the Netflix, the pets, the spouse, the job, the money, the fame, whatever you may have, it's worthless. It's not worth anything unless Jesus is breathing on it. And he will raise those things up as he desires, as he deems necessary for the calling that he has for each one of you guys as you walk in relationship with him. So that is the cost. That is the cost for walking in relationship with him. And it's it can be daunting and a heavy thing at first. But as you walk it out, you realize that that was the easiest thing to do is lay those things down. Because if you try to 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 work out life in your own understanding, by your own power, by your own even interpretations of what the Father is saying in Scripture, you're going to burn yourself out. You just will. You'll burn yourself out and you'll find yourself frustrated. You might find yourself even just holding a banner saying, repent, because you're all going to hell. Worrying yourself in circles, just trying to harp on getting people to heaven and never actually entering into a discipleship relationship where you're leading people to life now, where you're leading people to true life, that water that flows from the throne of God the true life here on this earth. That's what you risk when you don't have this focus of die to yourself, relationship with Jesus Christ is the only thing that matters, sold out life. That's the risk you run because what the Father wants is he wants us to be living in this life of relationship with him because he wants that to be what attracts people to salvation, not the other way around. The first part of the conversation should never be Hey, um, did you know that, like, you're actually going to hell one day? You know, I'm I'm not saying the Lord never does begin conversations with that question because he does sometimes. But if you have a formula mentality where all you're ever doing is just trying to convince people that they're, you know, crazy, rotten sinners and they're going to hell, you're starting at the wrong end of the spectrum. There needs to be, like I mentioned at the beginning, there needs to be the two lenses focusing the picture, the salvation lens. But what brings the picture into focus is this relationship with Christ. And I use another analogy here with these two lenses. If you're just looking at something in a telescope through one lens, what that first lens does is it brings you the picture. You see the picture. You see what you're looking at. Maybe you're looking at a building far away and you have a telescope. If you just have one lens, all you're seeing is, okay, I'm looking at a picture of something. It's really blurry But I see it, you see the, the, you know, just the blatant kind of outline of it. What that second lens does is it, it gathers, it focuses the light, it focuses the light of that image onto the details of what you're looking at. So with the two lenses of the telescope, you can hone in on that building and say, oh, wow, that thing has four stories, it's blue, no it's, no, it's actually, it has seven stories. It's blue. It's a beautiful blue. It's well-designed. It's it's modern. It's sleek. It's not falling apart. I can see some people traipsing around the, you know, pacing in the first floor and, and whatnot. Without the two lenses, you're not going to have a clear picture of what you're looking at. So that's why I wanted to stress at the beginning that this lens of just looking at things in salvation Picking up things in Scripture and, and likening it to salvation is not a wrong thing, but it would lead you down a very wrong, not having the full picture path, if that's all, if that's your main focus. Your main focus needs to be with that second lens of relationship, which focuses the light, focuses the truth, to enable you to see the details of what the Father is trying to show you in Scripture. If you'll... Jump with me here as I'm bouncing back and forth between this analogy and and how it applies to our lives and scripture. We need these two lenses working in harmony, as relationship with Jesus being the main one that brings the details into focus. Otherwise, you will be off. Otherwise, it will lead you trickling down into every aspect of your life, as I mentioned, where you will end up in conversations with people where you think you're sharing the gospel. But all you are ever able to get them to see is a blurry picture, a blurry truth, where all they are accepting, really, is salvation and what they get out of it, but their life then, depending, you know, God can, God can do anything and he works miracles all the time, but you're setting them up at the jump start, at the start to be focused on what they get out of it and not discipling them into who Jesus Christ wants to make them in this life, which is in relationship with the father, which leads to life abundantly life abundantly in this life. We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and also Also, this passage in Romans 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body, the physical body, is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If then the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That relationship with Jesus Christ not only gives you the eternal salvation that we're talking about here, but it quickens your mortal body into life as well. This life. You have the ability, through relationship with Jesus Christ, to bring true life, the trueness of abundant life, to this earth in this time. So don't throw aside... Don't throw aside your life here, your real life here, which is hidden in Christ Jesus. But die to yourself, die to what you think life is, and take his up. So continuing in Matthew chapter 25 here. Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. So saying, go, get relationship with Jesus for yourselves. But the reality is, relationship with Jesus Christ takes time to build. That's another cost. It takes time. So while they were going to buy, while these foolish virgins were going to buy oil, the the bridegroom came. And those who were, were ready, those wise virgins who had the oil, They went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Truly I say to you, I do not know you. The bridegroom did not know them because they had not spent time developing relationship with him. They had no oil. They had no oil. They did not put the time in. They did not put the hours, the, the walking out in that period of time before the, bride came, the bridegroom came. They did not put the time into making themselves ready which that readiness comes from getting to know the bridegroom, getting to know Jesus. That's how you can be ready. And it's all about, it's all about relationship with him. I will end with a final thought. And it has to do with this time. It has to do with making sure you're ready. And I'm not talking about making sure that you're ready for Jesus to come back and, you know, go to heaven. Because in reality, it's not time for that yet. It's not time for that yet. And I'm not going to go into that. But what's coming is a measure of his justice on the earth that will look insane and crazy to the world, but in reality is setting this world up for it to be what it was originally supposed to be when the Father created it, before sin, when relationship between God's creation and God the Father was whole. Jesus came back, Jesus came to earth, and he paid for this relationship between the Father and his creation, including us, to be restored. What you're about to see on this earth is the beginning of a measure to physically manifest what that true oneness of relationship is going to look like. And to the world, it's going to look insane and like. Everything is wrong, but understand that everything that the Father has not breathed on, every foundation that has not been laid by the Father through Jesus Christ will crumble in this time, and you're seeing it all around you. So as these things happen, as this darkness descends on the world, what the Father will do, as you seek him in relationship for each one of you sitting here and those online who who love who love the Lord in truth, in spirit and in truth, you will be used as a light for the world. You will be used to draw people to the light that you have inside of you that you built through relationship with Jesus Christ. That light inside of you will burn because you have put the time in to building the oil that fans the flame and keeps the flame going in the first place. I encourage you to keep pressing on for that, not just for your own sake, but for those who that you will draw to the light. As this crazy, as we're about to step into this crazy time period, the people of this earth, and even those who are saved—if we're talking about, if we're likening it back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, even those in the bride of Christ who have been foolish. In these last few years, in these last few decades, and have and have been deceived out of walking in the relationship that Jesus Christ wants them to be in this earth. Those in the Bride of Christ who have been deceived out of this thing through this senioritis of the spirit, this mind virus that I mentioned, they will have an opportunity to be set free from that paradigm, set free from that mindset. And walk in what life is, is truly supposed to be, and that's the beauty of what's coming. Is it will give that clear choice to everyone, both in the bride of Christ and the world, to give them that opportunity—that that really the best opportunity—to draw close to Jesus Christ in truth, and not just waiting for some exit ticket to be escorted to heaven, not setting their hope in. Um, dying one day and getting to go to heaven, but realizing that they have already died. (laughs) They have already died, and their life now is hidden in Christ Jesus, and the life they live, they live to Christ. The life we live, we live to Christ. So as this darkness comes, is the wick of your heart ready to be ignited and burn with that steady and strong flame that comes with relationship with the Father through Jesus? Or will you run around asking others for oil or for light when the darkness comes? What is your focus on this morning? Is your focus on your own circumstances Is your focus on just getting through? Just getting through this life until you get to die one day and go to heaven? Is your focus just on getting by with just enough to make, you know, to placate the father to get those C's maybe, maybe a couple B's as long as you pass, right? Is that your focus Or is your focus set in the reality of what the Father wants in relationship with you and has always wanted since the beginning? Is your focus on that? Is your focus on being the brightest light you can be to draw people to the life that you have in Christ now? What's your focus? What's our focus? And even, is our focus on what we get out of it? Is our focus on, like I mentioned earlier, salvation? Is our focus on getting saved and going to heaven one day? Which is, which is if it is, it is something that is um, an idol, if it's above relationship with the Father, it is selfish. And on the flip side of selfishness, that can also be sneaky, is our focus on what we get physically in this life as we are walking in relationship with Jesus on this earth. Are we caught up on the promises of what we believe that the Father has given us in healing, in having, you know, completely healed bodies, not having to worry about food, shelter, water? Are we focused on the promises that are talking about the bride of Christ having control on this earth and everything that comes with it physically? The airplanes, the boats, the land, the properties. Are we focused on that in our own selfishness and our own what we get out of it, even in standing in that kind of faith? Let your focus not be on any selfish ambition, but let it be on what the Father gets out of your life here on this earth. That's that's for all of us. Let us ask ourselves this question, all of us, both both here and, and online as well. What is our focus? What lenses are we looking through? or not looking through. Even as you open the Bible, how are you looking at it? Are you looking at the Bible based on what you can get out of it to get you through? Just to get you through the day, to get you through the, the current uh, stressful assignment you're in? Oh man, my life is so hard right now. I just need I just need a couple Bible verses to get me through. Is that your focus or is your focus on diving into the scripture to get closer to Jesus Christ and and having an understanding of who you are in him as he dwells in you to conquer those circumstances, to conquer those worries, those anxieties, those sadnesses, those tumultuous things in our lives, those depressive thoughts that come against us from Satan. The scripture conquers those things through us when we have the correct lens of relationship with the Father. And then it doesn't just purchase the victory for us personally. Again, don't make sure we're not going to a selfish mentality or a selfish base here, but understand That as you recognize who you are in Christ Jesus in this time, in this earth, what you're purchasing for as you conquer these things, the anxiety, the problems with family, the problems with friends, because I know every single one of us, me included, walks through some very challenging things. Recognize that as you walk with Jesus, because he's doing it with you, he's helping having victory over these things with you. Recognize that you're not just conquering them for yourselves for just your own problems. You're purchasing victory for thousands that you are joined with in the body of Christ as you unify together with them in the spirit which will quickly come about physically. Because that's another thing that the Father is doing in this time that we're living in. He is drawing those who have given him everything on this earth. He is drawing us together as one Awesome body, one awesome bride for his bridegroom, Jesus Christ. He is getting us ready. So, are we accepting the call to get ready? Do we have the oil? Or will we find ourselves scrambling around when that call comes? Will we find ourselves scrambling around looking for oil, looking for words of the Lord in a dark time, looking for anything to, to make us feel better so that we can get relief and get into that feast so we can eat some of the dessert that we see on the table? What is our focus? Thank you, Father. I praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this morning. God, thank you for... Thank you for your words, God, and I praise you that you will quicken our hearts and our minds as we continue to seek you, as we continue to pursue you, like the Bereans did in Acts. They received with an open heart and then took what was said to the scripture, took what was said to your your words, the framework that we have for relationship with you, Father, that Jesus beautifully paved the way for. Let us be like the Bereans, as we seek you, Father, to, to please let us, each of us, both here and online, ask you, just personally come before you and ask you, say, Holy Spirit, just like David did, Holy Spirit, please search me, anything inside of me that's, that's separating me from relationship with you, anything that I might have been taught growing up that, that wasn't correct, that I'm still believing, that's keeping me from walking in the fullness of life that you have for me, Father. Will you, Holy Spirit, illuminate it to me so I can just repent from it, turn away from it, and and continue onward in victory that Jesus bought. Continue onward in victory with Jesus Christ. Let let that be our heart's cry as we seek you even this week. God, thank you for opening your word as we as we tear down these paradigms that kept our our spirits entrapped from advancing and getting closer to you father as these paradigms are torn down i thank you for illuminating your scripture the words you've put in the bible thank you for illuminating these things further to us that we can that what you've been trying to say to us for for years and years and decades will now come into fuller focus when we surrender to you the things that you've talked to us about for decades that we have only partially grasped Will in this time come into full focus that you've always wanted to be there in the first place God as we surrender what we think we know As we surrender the way that we think we have been close to you all these years but maybe Have actually found ourselves in truth slipping into Just this selfish mentality as hard as that is to initially humble ourselves and admit God, admitting it and surrendering to you and repenting of any selfish ambition is what catapults us into everything that you have for us in this life and the one to come. God, so I praise you that as each of us seek you and continuously seek you here and online and who may listen to this in the future, God, I thank you for unlocking the doors in our heart to get closer to you, Father which will lead to other people getting closer to you. And in so doing, they will also be saved. And not just saved and get into heaven, but will be the epitome of what that word salvation means, which is made whole, restored, that wholeness that you offer, God, in this age and the one to come. God, I praise you as we humble ourselves and submit ourselves in truth before you. That that is exactly what you're doing. And you're using us in this time and in this world to draw people to you, to draw this world to you because the glory of the Lord will be as plentiful and as obvious as the drops of water are in the sea. And your glory will be as numerous as the sands on the seashore. God, just as your children will be that you promised Abraham at the start of all of this, God. I praise you for it, God. I praise you um, for sending your words forth. God, thank you for all my brothers and sisters here. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters listening online. I bless each one of them, God, as they seek you. And I lift all this up in Jesus' name, the one who came in the flesh, died, died, and rose again after three days, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and is God. In His name I speak, and in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.